Hey, Trash Talk fam. Today we're going to talk to Mr. John Sherman. He is the co-founder and senior managing director of PFC Social Impact Advisors. He is also serving as chair of the Davidson County Regional Solid Waste Board. Mr. Sherman had a hand in creating Nashville's Zero Waste Master Plan, and we are going to get into what that entails, how we're implementing it, and what you can do to help. My name's Maris, and I'm Michael Britt. That's Michael Britt, and this is Zero Waste Trash Talk. And today we are going to talk with Mr. Sherman about all the things that he's done in and out of Nashville. Um, Currently, he is serving on the chair of the Davidson County Regional Solid Waste Board and Mayor Cooper Sustainability Advisory Council, which we thank you for <laughs> and important stuff. We want to know more about that actually. So if you'd like, um, tell us a little bit about what that means and what you do on a day-to-day basis. So um, both those are volunteer activities that um, there are those, those are positions that, um, you know, are basically uh, the mayor invites you. Um, and for the solid waste board, it's like any other board in the city is that then it goes to the city council uh, and for a, you know, a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And mm-hmm. um, I was uh, fortunately been able to get a thumbs up. Okay. So um, uh, the board itself, um, we, you know, our, our job um, is really twofold. And it's, uh, it, one is to come up with a long-term, uh, at the time it was considered a, a 10-year plan for how uh, Davidson County or how, how this region was going to um, manage its solid waste with the, the goal being, and this is a state law, our plan had to divert at least 25% of any waste that we generated, um, divert it from a land, from landfills. There's a whole bunch to unpack on that. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but so we have to come up with this plan. Our, our only kind of legal handle is if, if an entity wants to put a landfill into this region and this region just covers Davidson County, that it has to, we have to be, it has to come before the board to, for our approval or disapproval, depending on whether it meets the plan. We have to develop a plan and we have this quite frankly, quite very limited um, legal um, uh, handle around just landfills. Mm. Uh, but, you know, we know that the, what's unspoken is what do you do with that 25, where does, what do you do with that 25%? So it means where you have to reduce it, you have to recycle it, you have to do something with it. Now, um, uh, a couple of important things when, we, when the, when the original board came up with the plan and, and we have, we have, um, and expanded on that, there are a couple of things that we don't, that the law allows to be included that we don't. One, um, if you burn it, that's considered diversion. We don't, and, and our board has had, had the position from its beginning that um, incineration of waste, uh, waste to energy, is, is not acceptable. Good. And, um, and that was, that was, this all started in that law you're talking about was 1991 two, or ni- 1992. Okay. Right, and, right. and at the time, uh, burning was an option. I know from our, our pre uh, phone call that you and I had, John, that you're explaining to me that the, that the, where the Ascend Amphitheater is used to be Nashville's incinerator that actually heated all the, the downtown buildings by burning waste. Wow. So that's it, correct. So it that's was correct. an issue then. Uh, that, that's, that would have been an easy out for the board to say, oh, we have this already. We could divert everything there. Right. So it's pretty good that they were 
you know, thinking ahead there. And it's funny you say that because actually um, it wouldn't have been an easy out because there was so much opposition um, that had that had built to the incinerator. Um, there are a lot of local groups who had opposed it. Tennessee Environmental Council, um, and you know, we had been kind of early opponents to it. Uh, and and at the time, I mean, you, you know, at the time it was thought about, which was 30 years before that. And I, I can't tell you the truth, I don't remember the exact date, but it was considered an innovation, right? <clears throat> hey, better than sending our waste to a landfill, let's right. burn it. It actually it was a cogeneration facility where it actually created steam that ran through all of downtown and heated a lot of those buildings downtown. So at the time it was like very, it was a very progressive idea. Old plant <clears throat> no longer was, was was causing the city a lot of money to operate because you had to fix it all the time. You're having to buy natural gas because the burners weren't working properly. There was a lot of problems just mechanically with mm. it, let alone the fact that it had all sorts of really horrible emissions. And um, we had pictures of going to the Ash Landfill, which is actually just on the edge of town. Um, and you'd go and you'd look at it, and you'd, you uh, we had pictures of walking out there. We uh, one of my staff and I at the time at Tennessee Environmental Council, Watt Childress, we'd go out there and poke around and you'd actually, you know, you could find whole newspapers that were in the ash, meaning that they never got burned. Mm. So it was a real problem. So, but be that as it may, the, the board said no to that. And it was, and it wasn't really hard for anybody to accept that decision. I mean, meaning the city council or the, or the department of public works, because it was just a mess. And costing them money. So, but it took a lot of strong advocacy from lots of different groups to make that happen too. So that was a good thing. The second big th issue that we that the board has said no to in terms of what counts as a diversion is that um, besides having regular municipal solid waste landfills, where basically this morning I took my trash out to the curb and it goes sadly to you know the the landfill more than likely down to Murfreesboro. That's the biggest recipient still. Um, but there's all this construction and demolition waste that's considered a different kind of waste. And that has a, its own kind of landfill. And um, there is one of those in Davidson County, um, Southern Services. It's out, um, if, you, if you're going out um, Briley Parkway, you cross, if you're on White Bridge and you cross, it turns into Briley Parkway, if you know where I'm talking mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. Cross the river and where you get to the old Ashton. If you look to the left right after that, just before you get to the Ashton City Highway, you look to the left and there's this big, you kind of can't see it very well, but it's a big CND, what's called construction demolition or CND landfill. I think I we passed said that the other that, day. <laughs> there you go. It's uh, yeah. And, the, and that was, uh, that, that has been um, somewhat controversial. And if you want to get into that, we can talk about that as well. But we, we basically said under the law, sending trash to a CND landfill for CND kind of trash counted as diversion. And we said, no, that doesn't count as diversion because that's just another landfill. Right. So, so you have to recycle the construction demolition waste and you have to, of course, do as much you can to re reduce and re both reduce and recycle any kind of waste. So that was the idea behind where, where we were. So um, uh, about three years ago, um, you know, we, we would always look every year like, well, how are we doing? We had to come up. The, the, there was this there was a stand report that we have to submit to the state to say how we're doing. We've always hit the 25%. That's not been really an issue about total diversion. Now, a lot of that is because you can, you know, we, we can count basically every, all the trees and anything we've, we have to, that the city collects in terms of our, uh, of all our um, yard waste, right? And that, that doesn't go to a landfill, but that is considered diversion. And, I, and we actually have quite a bit of that. Um, 
uh, I was listening to your recent podcast um, with a fellow from U.S. Perg, and you were talking about the tornado. You think about how much both tree debris as well as C and D waste came out and went someplace, right? I mean, that was huge, yeah, huge. And that's you're going to see that in a bubble, probably in our in our numbers next year. You're going to have to direct me a little bit because I can talk about lots of stuff, and I know you're it, <laughs> so that's good. We but, like um, that. <laughs> good. Well, I'll I'll keep on wandering until you tell me to shut up or you ask me a question. Um, the big thing is that we basically, if you look at the numbers in terms of re recycling, and this is, this is residential recycling in particular, we've been at a flat 5% forever, forever. Mm. And, um, and one of the reasons is we, so, and so we said, well, this is, this isn't working. Something is fundamentally not working here. Right. And yeah, we could come up with some band-aids, but what we maybe. Um, and the band-aids we've tried to come up with, like, for example, we need to go more to more frequent pickup of our recycling. And um, right now, if you live, and I think you, if you both live in East Nashville, you, you probably get once a month pickup. And, you know, all the data shows that, you know, more frequent pickup, you get higher recycling rates. Good thing, so, right? So, so we've had <clears throat> we've had a couple of those. To, not, to, not to slow you down too much on that, but so the, I want to go back to the 5% uh, number. So that means that in Nashville or Davidson County, uh, only 5% of all items that are capable of being recycled are actually recycled from 5% of all the garbage that was, were being picked up, 5% oh. being really diverted from is being recycled, right? Okay. So it's not saying of, of, that, of that percentage of materials that could be recycled in that 5% is being recycled. That's, that's not correct. It's 5% of of everything of waste and, of all um, the waste and we know the numbers are more like the the amount of waste that's going to the landfill that is recyclable what is it like 25 percent paper is that and 21 percent organics and 16 percent right. plastics and, right. i mean it, that all right. adds up to where we right. really could do a lot of the waste should be right uh be able to be diverted if people were actually sorting yeah it. and 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 um you know and i talk about the five percent it's kind of on the residential side but there's also if you look at it overall um and i and i focus on the residential side because if there's uh, there's a particular you know there's it's just uh, getting people's attention to what we do in our homes is really important um but overall uh, of that uh, of of in Two years ago, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking what number year this is, but in two years ago, we generated a little less than a million tons of waste, 960,000 tons. And of that, 82% went to a landfill. And so then you have 18% left. 12% that was recycled, right? But And that includes both residential and commercial. And then 6% then was also composted. So we, you know, we, we know that. Um, so the, the important thing, though, is... Uh, is that we have to quit thinking about this uh, as, as residential versus commercial. And the commercial numbers are really slippery because stepping back and realizing that, that, that the Department of Public Works, we as a, as a, as, as a government, as citizens, we, we only control about little less than 20% of all the waste that, of that gen that's generated, meaning that it's picked up by, a, a, by the Department of Public Works garbage truck or it's picked up by one of their contractors, right? Mm. Um, the rest of it is is commercial, hmm. <laughs> or is in what they call the general service district, and it's picked up by 
if you live outside the main area of Nash of, of Nashville proper, rest of the county is considered a general service area, the GSD, general right. service district. I remember reading about that. Um, yes. And and there, if you live out there, the city isn't picking up your garbage. You're right. paying a private hauler to pick it up. And, you know, we can get pretty good numbers from the private haulers. Um, but uh, but we we there the commercial numbers are really uh, there's no requirement for the, for businesses to report if they're recycling how much they're recycling. So the commercial so the, is private, right? Is that what we're saying? The private is commercial. It's the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you're a business, if you're a business, and um, that you don't there's there there's no there's no legal requirement for you to to give any data to the city. How many do? But many don't, right? And so it's it's slippery, and it, uh, it's unlike the numbers we have for the city itself because, you know, they pick it up, it all goes to the same place. They know how to, they know what's being separated. They know they, you know, they get the bills from, you know, we know what's actually going to the landfills from the city. And overall, we all we kind of know the big picture because the state requires anybody who's dumping in a landfill if you're. You know, if you if you pick up, doesn't matter if you're a city or a private contractor, and you're taking your your waste down to the to um, to the big landfill in Murfreesboro, Middle Point. There's kind of a train a chain there where we that the, the the landfill collects it and they send the data to to the state and they know where it came from, right? So they know that what are, all the waste came from Davidson County. They know that. Um, There's a little bit of a check and balance. Or commercial. There's a little bit of a check and balance then. A little bit, but not not nearly. So wait, the the if you're a household that you're outside of the Nashville main city urban mm-hmm. district, uh, why is that that it's not that that the you know Nashville metro doesn't pick it up and doesn't offer curbside there? So we need a historian on this piece, and uh, it, it part it, I know that, um, and this is this is I'm getting on thin ice here. Other meaning that why it came to be this way, other than. <clears throat> we have a met, we have a metropolitan governor, right? There's just one government the entire county. Um, and when that happened, um, there was still some taxing authority retained by folks outside of metro of this by other cities, and uh, and and they were also didn't get the same level of services that Nashville did. And so that's the biggest thing is Nashville proper doesn't provide them the same level of service. And so you know their property taxes are lower because they don't get the same level of service than if you're in the U.S., in the urban mm-hmm. um, service district, USD. Um, you, you know, you're not getting drinking water. You're not getting sewage you know, uh, service necessarily. Now, you might be and you have, you're having to pay for it, and it's not just buried in your property tax. Now, of course, our, our water service is not buried in our property tax, but there, there are different levels of services depending if you're in the USD and GSD. And one of the, le- one of the things that you don't get is garbage pickup. Is there any movement towards that? Because I have a lot of friends that live outside the urban area and they always ask me, I get a lot of requests for how do I get recycled? How do I vote for this? Or how do I, how do we get this? Why don't we have this? So it's required. And, um, and uh, uh, by basically anybody who picks up any private hauler who picks up in the, in the general service district is, is supposed to offer recycling. So and they and you know they'll charge for it. They're little. They're, it's they're 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 willing. You know they they can charge for it, but mm. they offer recycling pickup. So they just have to and, do a little um, more research, basically, where they live. There's 
definitely options right. from the commercial. Yeah, yeah, right. Private. And if they and if they rent, you know, it always gets a little hairier because they got to get their landowner, you know, the, you know the, the the whoever your your landlord is right. to actually offer that, and uh, that's just some more challenges. And it's not not saying anything against a landlord necessarily if there, but if there's not enough storage space and there's all these issues with you know what they call multifamily dwellings and how you actually offer um, recycling services. If in fact they're, especially on these high rises and, and they're older buildings that there's, it's hard to, you know, how do you accommodate for that in the space you have? Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, there's some logistical issues that um, uh, I, we're, we're creative. So we can, I think that we can probably figure that out and going right. forward, we certainly can make it happen. Yeah. So, yeah. And if it was uh if it was a logistical issue to figure out a way for the building to make more money, they would have solved it in about 30 <laughs> seconds. There it is. So, you know, that's the, there's that as well. The, 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 it's the will of the, of the businesses and the apartment complexes. Well, and, and, you know, Maris lives in a, in an apartment complex and your trash area is a mess. You, you are constantly policing it, dumpster diving oh, and all of that. Right? It's so sad. John, I have a dumpster down, you know, from my apartment complex and every weekend it's piled high with mm-hmm. TVs and furniture and mi- a mixture of food and, you know, just regular trash and it, it's overflowing every weekend. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. I, I, they- I might take a trash bag there once a month because of all the diversion <laughs> that I do, but I have... Mm-hmm. Trinity Lane Recycling Center that I bring my stuff to. So right. I, I try to set an example when I can. But, but the, and that's the, that's the thing. Those, there's, so there is no enforcement. This, uh, her apartment complex can throw e-waste and do all of this and everybody just looks the other way because it's not convenient uh, to, to police it or enforce the laws. Correct? Right. And, and it's like, so uh, you, then you go, well, who, especially when it's private, picked up which is going to be at your at your place Maris. well Maris, actually like- i live in a um income-based housing area and we have waste management picking up our stuff yeah no, right exactly. private. So, oh, okay yeah, private. right i guess that is private. yeah okay and 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 so it's like so who's supposed to enforce it and you know we this is an issue that we've talked a lot about at, in the board and in the public works has talked about it is you know, they actually, you know, there is there is a, a, right now a law that says thou shall not throw away cardboard. Thou shall recycle <laughs> cardboard. It's a commercial. It's commercial. It's not. And, and but who's enforcing it? And it's one of the reasons is, OK, public works. You, I mean, they don't, you know, they're 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 so understaffed <laughs> that it's like who's going to do it. And on the and on the residential side, you know, they've come up with some I you know, they're, they're coming up with some creative ways when it's recognized that people are throwing away the wrong stuff or not putting in the right recycling and they have these little signs that oops tags yeah the oops tags right it's something more it's more educational and not not supposed to be shaming Um, but on the commercial side and in your situation no there isn't there isn't a lot and um and you know it gets back to and i know you've talked about a lot a lot about this on your other podcasts um and correct me if i'm wrong i'm i'm from what I've listened to your podcast, it's true. TVs are a perfect example. We keep on shoving down to the consumer the responsibility for taking care of this. And you know, for the most part, while yes, there's a lot of good talk in different sectors about they want to be responsible from cradle to grave and and you know all that, it's still we're basically asked to you know internalize their external 
they're, you know, they're external freebies. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to think about what's going to go with that TV. And it's like, so uh, what I don't like happening is like, all right, we're going to, you know, kind of shame the consumer for not doing the right thing. When in fact, I think it, the responsibility has to lie much further upstream. Wow. And, um, and, and we're at, and, 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 and the board's in the same position. Here we are, we're given 960,000, you know, tons of ways to figure it out. And it's like, hold it. Why, you know, what happened to somebody else actually taking responsibility upstream? And, and all of us right now are, we're paying for it. And everybody who lives next to a landfill is paying for it. Yeah. And um, it's incredibly irresponsible. I, I get really upset about uh, when, and I, I do it too. You get mad at people for not recycling. Well, you know, there's, that's, that's, come on. Yes, we have to recycle. We have to reduce our waste. And um, if we don't do it in a structural systemic way, instead of a, um, hey, we're all on our own individuals being, you know, being good stewards, which we need to do. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but it's like um, it, we, there's bigger, there's there are other folks that that supply chains need to be responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, we've mentioned this before on the podcast too, like Germany has the packaging laws that force manufacturers to actually use the recycler to, to, to enable and reuse the materials. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a problem here. Cause you talk about the 12% that goes from our trash through our recycling system. Well, you know, I, I was trying to break down the, the reports. It was very difficult for me to figure it out, but then <laughs> yeah. it didn't look like the sale, the stuff that actually gets sold to be used was that high of a number. Was it the one year I looked at, I think it was from two years ago. Was it, is it correct to say that the total sale of recycling from Nashville's program was $160,000? It, it could very well have been. I don't know the numbers. I just know that it's, it's, it's help offset the costs and, uh, and, um, you know, waste management manages that big facility that we send all our waste to. And, and, you know, we have, uh, quite frankly, um, uh, low paid workers digging through all that to figure, you know, of the recycling and so sorting it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and this year, uh, and, and this is, was in the contract and you can see it from their point of view, why you, you do this is that actually we're having to pay them to take it now because the recycling markets are just belly up. Right. <laughs> just <laughs> not in good shape. That's why the, the people making uh, the things that we buy and consume need to be forced to reuse the products and not just dig everything out you know, from the ground. And I understand also, you know, oil, it's like we had this conversation earlier, oil was actually negative uh, dollars per barrel recently. So it's hard to, hard as a manufacturer to say, oh, I'm going to use the more expensive recycle content when I'm basically getting oil for free because they can't shut off the pumps. Mm -hmm. um, but that's where we need to go. We definitely have to have a national plan and national legislation to, to help address some of this because we're drowning in this garbage. Hey, Zero Waste Squad, we're going to take a minute and run an ad for a company that we love, Compost Nashville. Composting doesn't have to be complicated, messy, or even time-consuming. Compost Nashville can set you up with a lidded bucket to store all of your food scraps and compostable materials that gets picked up once a week from your doorstep. It's that easy. By signing up, you're not only diverting 30% of trash that would normally go into the landfill, but you're also getting finished compost to use in your own yard twice a year. Not into gardening? No problem. Compost Nashville lets you donate your finished compost to a local farm or community garden. Last year, your fellow Nashvillians used this service to divert 730 tons from the landfill, 
This 1.5 million pounds of compost removed over 1,400 metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions from the air. That's like taking 3,687 cars off the road. Use the code TRASHTALK for 50% off your first month when you sign up at compostnashville.org. When I first started to get into my research here, uh, I was told a lot to look at this plan. And when I opened this thing up, <laughs> I was overwhelmed. I, I couldn't believe it. it was like, I don't know, 300 pages long. It was so long. And Four, there was over 400. Yeah. Yeah. And there was yeah. so much information. Well, well let's, talk, let's talk about the origins of the, of the zero waste plan. Well, uh, you may recall that we were talking ago about how the low recycling, the low rates, right? And right. we saw that. And we basically, um, uh, you know, so we're all a bunch of volunteers on the board. You know, smart people, at, you know, who's, who are either committed, who are committed one way or the other and know, and know something about it. Um, but to, for us to kind of voluntarily put a plan together that is at the, the, the depth and the, um, you know, the, the, the sophistication that's really needed to get to where we wanted to go, which was zero waste um, a, a, as our aspiration. Um, well, we needed a really we need we need somebody to really be thoughtful and dig through it. And any community where there are good advocates, everybody has their own ideas, right? Yeah. And um, about what's best and how to do it and all this. And we said, well, um, well, you know, that's all good. So at the same time, we need something comprehensive, right? We want to understand this. And so um, we went to the then mayor. Uh, we passed a resolution saying, you know, in order to get to where we want to go. We need, you know, we need some resources to do a, to really do a deep plan. And um, the mayor at the time, it was Mayor Barry. Um, she allocated resources to to actually do this plan. And we actually, at, we uh, as a board, pretty much wrote what what we thought was really important to be in in the in the request for proposals in the RFP. Um, and there was a whole list of stuff, but it's it was. Um, we want to see lots of options. We want to see the costs associated with them. We want to see the long-term um, social and environmental impacts, the, the pluses and the negatives of different parts of it. Um, and, uh, and, and we want to see what the best options are. And we, we don't, you know, right now, we want to put together a great plan. We're not the ones who actually have to go out and hustle the money and have to do all that stuff. We don't have that authority to make that happen. We can, we can put together vision and we can offer it to the city. Yeah. We yeah. did. So now this happened, we, we pulled that together and I can go into some of the details about the plan, but in, for why it's not moving is so this, we, um, we submitted the plan about a little less than a year ago in September of 2019. Um, as you know, recall right there and there was a mayoral race. Um, we didn't know who the mayor was going to be. Um, and quite frankly, getting the attention of anybody on solid waste, it's not, in terms of d decision makers, it's not at the top of their list. Hasn't been, you know, unless a landfill is coming to your, your neighborhood, no one talks about it for the most part, right? So we, we walk into a, 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 the, a lack, the political season, um, and then we have a new mayor who, is, who is, has said all the right things about what to do with waste. Um, 
and who's obviously was facing a major deficit issue right then. And of course, everything has only gotten worse since then. So, so um, it's kind of sitting there and we're um, in a way biding our time. And, you know, I've, we've talked to, you know, several of the council people in different ways. And I know public works and Sharon Smith in particular has been pretty, you know, talking to the public works committee of the city council you know, I have met with the, the mayor staff and talked to them about this before. Um, I know other board members have been, you know, active in their own way talking about it. But there is not a big push yet. And part of it is that this, uh, you, you're right, um, Maris, it's a huge, There's a, it's 400 pages. Now, a lot of that is appendices trying to explain why, how different decisions in the plan itself came to be. Um, uh, yet it is, it's a, it's a big piece. And um but we plan, you know, there was actually, uh, you know, we knew that and we said, well, this is a 30 year plan, right? We're talking to, we're talking about getting to zero waste, you know, in the next 30 years. So we're not talking about doing it tomorrow. Right. Right. Um, and, um, so how do we start creating first the infrastructure that's really needed? Cause we don't have it here. And so the infrastructure, what do we mean by that? Both kind of the policies that are needed, um, and then um, once those and, and kind of going hand in hand, that was like, what is the actual on the ground infrastructure that needs to be here to make that happen? So um, so there's a stepwise. It's kind of stepped. So we're not looking we're not you know, we're, we're trying to make sure we're making progress over time, um, given what we can and can't do. And given our, our the, 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 quite frankly, the financial limitations and a lot of ways, the political limitations. <laughs> Um, right. uh, we know that, you know, you, you know, the ban on bans that, that, the, the state did, which is one of the most foolish things. It's like, pull it. So you want to ban things that actually are right now going to a landfill in your County. How does that make any sense? You know, um, uh, but Zero that's what sense. They did. yeah, well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just, it was just nonsensical. And, uh, uh and uh, for people who don't understand, uh, that ban on bans, we have a state law here that's, uh, that, uh, does not allow cities to ban single-use plastics and plastic grocery bags. Actually, it's it's pretty vague and includes even cell phone waste. And there's something weird. There's a there's a it's a pretty vague law that cities don't get to control their waste when state government doesn't have anything to do with waste. Really, they don't. It's not their problem. So uh, they've That's been lobbied incredible. by the plastic. <laughs> yeah, they've been lobbied by the plastic industries to avoid plastic bag bans because they were freaking out that states were and they had some luck in the red states and we're a red state and they had luck here. So we're hoping that changes because I know uh, there's legislation moving through now. So, yeah. Yeah. At the, at the federal level, there were some things happening, I know. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I, I lost my train of thought there, Maris and, and Michael, about where we were. But uh, okay. um, uh, I think we were at so. Uh, you're what talking about at. the ban. Um, yeah, the zero well, waste. What things can be done right, right now? Right. Yeah. Uh, the 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 lead thing that we that um, we think is the most important to happen, so everything else can happen, is creating uh, the, the waste as a separate what we call authority or enterprise or utility. So you would get a bill for your garbage, and but we tie it to um, there's there there's a couple. Of, Cute uh, acronyms, and I say that, and that maybe not as um, <laughs> I didn't mean to be quite as dis discourteous about it, but it's called either pay as you throw, 
P-A-Y-T, or save as you throw, depending on how you, if you want to talk about it as a savings or a cost, right. <laughs> but it's the same thing is that the idea is like, uh, ultimately we want to get to a three bin system where you pay for the garbage you throw away. However, yeah. you don't pay for the recycling and for the composting. Those are the other two bins, right? So you have one that is true garbage that can't, can't go anywhere but the landfill. You have one that's recycling and you have one that is composting. So the idea is you have a three, uh, you know, uh, the, that and that separation. We want that everywhere. We want it commercial. We want it residential. Everybody has to do it. And, and that's so, how that's how, uh, you know, scale is how things are affordable. So right. if if it was expanded to commercial and the rest of the general district, it would save them money and overall the the system would be more efficient uh, right correct? i mean there's that that's yeah that's that's the idea it's do you know exactly what the right. do you know what the average what they pay compared to what we pay in our property taxes compared to what good uh, good question i don't know it, when you start unpacking all the particulars of this there's a lot of different pieces to it but um as i said that's kind of the the a big piece is just getting the... that yeah, and right. I love it. I love that. Um, but what are what are even the steps for that? Like how how are, how realistic would that be to see that anytime soon? You know, what what can we do to start moving towards that that goal? Well, I, this is the idea of an enterprise is not is not new. A lot of communities do it. It's this is this isn't like a oh we're being creative and innovative mm-hmm. and and we're it's risky. It's not. It's a lot of folks do this. It's mostly, and I and um, I am fairly confident that the city is looking at this already, and it just makes sense, right? And um, I don't know if this is true or not, um, but I know you know the woman who has now uh, who came over from the water utility to actually, and uh, at least as an interim director of public works, clearly coming from water, she has experience on that on the enterprise side, you know, a billing, and so I think. I just look at some of these things like that and say, hey, that, you know, we have some, poss- there's some possibilities here now. And um, I, I'm pretty hopeful mm-hmm. that this is going to happen. And, um, you know, the, the it, it's kind of like with you, with water, uh, you know, the, there would be some oversight maintained in, you know, how it's going by the city. So it's, it's we, we, there is some control over it. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's how ours was done. I, I came from when I lived in Los Angeles and Pasadena. Our, yeah. Pasadena specifically, I remember that the, our waste and recycling was part of our water bill. So yeah. it, was, it wasn't part of the property taxes. And so they, it's like here, politically, it's tough to raise property taxes, which they're doing right now, which actually I think is a perfect time to separate uh, waste issues from property taxes if they're so, such budgetary issues and pass them on to us individually. So Right. Yeah, yeah it just, you know, and it, right. And then, you know, that, right, then the, the that authority would have the ability to, you know, set the rates. Um Negotiate the contracts both for for all parts of it, from the composting to the recycling to, um, you know, to and to actually wherever the wherever the, the leftovers are going to go. Um, unfortunately, there there will be leftovers, um, at least for the time being. That that is a critical piece. And, and if I'm just thinking about what you know what your listeners could do is just like 
it's a it's it seems like a big one, but just let your let your council people know that you know that moving to an enterprise system is a really critical piece. Uh, we call it it's called an authority in the plan. It, you kind of can use it interchangeably, even though there may be different governance structures. The bottom line is we're going to separate it from the basically the general the general tax base. So it, it, you know just pay attention as that that's moving through as it, as it happens and. Um, uh, an important piece. Um, so I, and, and then when I think of other things, that's really important. If you look at, you know, a big thing that we don't have to worry, we don't have to wait until, you know, the plastics industries or anybody who does any packaging that we can't recycle easily or recycle at all is our food waste. Um, that is something that is we control. Um, I know that you've had conversations with, you know, with the compost folks, with Clay Azell and that, and that uh, I saw it on your your previous podcast. And, and, you know, they, we have, um, we have, you know, their, their, that effort. And, you know, there's potentially other way, other, you know, um, companies will take it too, but we know that there's plenty of demand locally for compost. And we have enough of it here. We're generating that we don't we don't need to think about what's a what's a, a market in China to take our compost, or even a market four states away. Right. You know, we have markets here, and we can kind of we can control our destiny with that. And it's a big chunk of the waste stream. It's like thirty five percent of the waste stream, right? Yeah. So it's a it's it's um and it's a big deal. And so um, that's the other thing. And when we talk about well, how do you capture that then, and how do you get it? Of course, then it gets back to one. You know, you can, there's kind of three ways, right? We can all do our backyard composting, which has its own inefficiencies, but you know, who doesn't do that if you have the opportunity to do it? But, you know, secondly, is you actually can then have this, you know, you have a pickup system, right? We have a three bin pickup and, and then it gets going to a central facility and it's composted. And the third way it could be is it, even if it doesn't go to a central facility, what happens if you have more kind of regional composters for community gardens, right? And that there's some way to actually create the system to um, both support community-based gardens anywhere in the city um, and um, and do um, and do composting. That's that you kind of you know and you know we had one of those over on Twelfth Avenue at one time and we lost it and that was a really that was a, a sad day because that was you know it was just a very interesting and very you know as far as I know as as far as I know it was successful. What was that called? So, oh, it was Earth Matters. It was uh, Sisway Herring and his team had done it. Sisway. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, you know, you you could have him um talk probably more about the history of that and what happened and um you know uh you know the the environmental justice issues associated with that and everything else it was but but you think so um, and that's enough for another conversation Uh, other than the thinking that this compost piece um the 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 idea of getting authority utility and this idea of really focusing on the compost piece because we control it and and it's and it's and and getting that infrastructure up and running we have lots of pieces and there's really, you know, um, the, you know, the, um, urban, the folks like the, um, urban green lab. I don't know if you've talked to Todd Lawrence with them Yeah. Or, and we're, uh, NRDC <laughs> yeah, and NRDC and Linda Bregan and Linda's work together. They've been working on this whole food, you know, the whole, the food challenge in the city, which are trying to look at it from in a way, cradle to grave and working with restaurants and working with the big grocery stores, as well as working with resident resident, you know, on the residential side around, around this issue. So, um, there's, um, there's some really, I think that's a, 
when I look for there's where there's really a lot of positivity and things we could really push on, that's one of them is, is on the, on the Excellent. so, um, we definitely have latched onto the composting after all the different, uh, ideas that float around that we talk about and investigate composting here in Nashville, where it's a real possibility. Like you said, it's, we have a functioning system. It's, it's just a matter of connecting all the pieces. And I think yeah. if we're, you know, if the city was doing it, it again, it, the scale brings down the cost. There are plenty of people paying, uh, you know, compost Nashville to come pick up privately right. from themselves. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah. And that's a lot of money. I mean, you think there's, there's, I mean, and, and it's nothing against that business model. It's just that thinking about that versus the scale and you would not be paying that kind of utility bill, you know, to have your compost picked up if you were, you know, if we had it consolidated and it's, and I love what they're doing at the same time. Uh, you know, you just think how that how that business model is going to work out if if all this works, and it's like, well, maybe it'll be the contractor. Yeah, that's <laughs> what that's where we go with that. I think if it yeah. scales up and they've already got the the business in place, then they can become the contractor for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, uh, composting is, and again, like you said, I, I think I've said this before too, in in our composting uh, episode with Clay, that uh, I, we don't have to worry that like it's not just four states or China, but you know, it's not being dumped on someone someone else. We know it's being used here in the city, and that, that to me, that's important. And right. that, that kind of also, I don't want to get too far off track about the zero waste conversation, um, but uh, one of the questions that we always come back to is everyone says, oh, no, our stuff's not getting sent to China, and it's, uh, you know, there's so many middlemen involved that no one can tell us where stuff is being sent. And, uh, you know, one of my questions is always, have we have we ever done an investigation? Has anyone ever actually double checked that our stuff isn't going to third world countries? Uh, no, and but I, I'll guarantee you at one time the plastics were going there. I just I just cannot I cannot fathom and now um, that it there wasn't some of, of that plastic market that was going somewhere that is is still in a landfill there or being burned openly there. So even if it wasn't. The fact is, again, this gets back to a social systemic issue that um, that doesn't excuse our, uh, excuse us, you know, that right. we still have right. to put pressure on the, the, the powers that be to actually make the policy changes so that doesn't happen to anybody and that we that, that we're not yeah, that no one's stuck with us. And, you know, that's that is the, the big challenge with this is that moving moving to I'm sure you've heard the term a circular economy moving to. Um, uh, something that is much more um, kind of enclosed, a yeah. closed loose system. Um, it's going to take a while, and and we need to have the policies right, and the policies need to send the right market signals so people all get it and they they see the opportunities and you know all that creativity that can happen from people who kind of both given permission right. so to, speak, awesome. to do this and also told you can't do that. And we're going to enforce it. You can't do that. Um, are the pieces that um, we need and. Um, I think that the zero waste plan, it's ultimately, I mean, to ultimately be successful, we, where we can do all we can on creating the authority and creating the, you know, the pay as you throw system, you know, making sure we're picking up compost. You know, we, we need state and federal leadership on this to make, to actually get to ultimately where this country needs to go. And if it's left up to every city to kind of do their thing, 
it's going to be tough. Right. Because, and especially if you have state legislatures who are basically taking away the sovereignty of cities to do what they want to do. Um, the good thing is, I think that, that I just want to step back to and say that besides just the idea of a regional, uh, of a state, a, a local authority, there's been conversations about how do we actually look at kind of the bigger, what is it, nine county area? around us and, and, and looking at the, our, our, our regional economy, because then you, and it gets back to that issue, Michael, you were saying about how you start then getting to scale locally around maybe having ability to have recycling industries that have enough um, feedstock, so to speak, to, to actually start to, to work here. Right. And so we don't have to think about the cost of shipping certain recyclables a thousand miles. And we know, obviously, if nothing else, that's a major carbon footprint versus shipping it 50 miles, right? Yeah. Right. Um, uh, or it is a carbon footprint. If you were probably working with a train, you'd say, well, it's a lot, not that much different, but whatever. The point being is that we want to be able to, how, how do you actually stimulate local economies? And But you need enough scale to do that, whether it's composting or, or, or legitimate recyclables. Um, so that's, a, that's just another piece that is also happening out there. And, um, I'm not that in, involved with it right now, but we just know that we, you know, ultimately we want whatever happens locally fits into a more regional vision. Yeah. If you're listening out there, this is your chance to start separating your stuff, get ahead of the game, start researching how to compost and all the different things that go into the waste and how you can divert your own waste because it's, you can do it. And then and contact your council person and contact that seems to be a recurring theme for sure well yeah, yeah we need to it's back to every time we talk to a business about some of this they're like, oh our customers aren't asking for it it's like we all have to ask for it they have to hear it from us over and over and over again we all have to be a pain because it's a squeaky wheel that get, gets greased that's a you know it's a cliche saying but it's true the, the if we're vocal and loud then then they'll start listening well, it's, it's just one thing that I, I started doing. And um, so admittedly, once in a while, I forget my bag, right? When I'm going to the grocery store. Well, I won't use a plastic bag. I just won't. So I'll either say, hey, I want a paper bag. And if you go to the self-checkout, they're not there. So I just go over and start taking paper bags from the checkout counters. <laughs> so, yeah. Or if I don't have too much, I, I say, oh, I have to carry it myself, you know? And I right. do the best I can to <laughs> a bunch of stuff out. Uh, Protecting the beer, of course. I at love all times. that. Oh, protecting. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So there's there's just little things you can do that are you know are are uh, uh, it's a it's little make trouble, not big make trouble, but it's little ways you just kind of send the message and and say we don't want plastic because yeah. I think that is just keep on sending that message because you know ultimately we know wherever this garbage goes and we haven't really even talked about the environmental justice issues with all this, but you know. And I think um, there is there is there is that you know wherever this waste goes or where these plastics are being produced, you can guarantee it's not it, it's happening in low end com communities. If you look at uh, you look at the amount of plastics that are being generated down in you know between Baton Rouge and New Orleans and what they call Cancer Alley, mm. you know low income communities, mostly communities of color. Um, let, you know, on the production side and on the, on, on the other end, you know, who's getting the landfills, who's getting the bad stuff dumped on. What a concept. And, I feel like a lot of, a lot of people don't think about that. I, I know that I don't think about that enough. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a huge, it's, it's huge. And, and I don't think, and quite frankly, we have, uh, in the zero waste plan, we have not 
talked about that and kind of dealt with that issue. Pay as you throw is a perfect example, right? So how do you, you know, low income people may not be able to, you know, it's, it's in a way it's in a sense, everybody pays the same amount. It's kind of a regressive tax, right? So how do you start thinking about what, you know, what they've done for electric and electric bills? At least you're having some opportunity to, to have some low income relief. So I think it can be done. We just, we did, and that's some of what the authority needs to think about or whoever actually come, the, the final, whoever ultimately gets to do this, um, is that we need to think about those kinds of impacts. And, um, and you know, so there's other things here. I mean, and and that's a great reason to separate, you know, from property taxes and try to, uh, you know, adjust for the regressive portion of uh, of lower income, you know, paying the same as upper income people. But the other mm-hmm. thing that struck me while you're talking were these these plastics plants, and they're and you know they're this is the fossil fuel industry, and I think the the subsidies that they're taking to produce fuel they're using now to build plastics manufacturing plants. But they're not putting those where the majority of people see them. They're putting them in those areas like poor areas of, you know, Louisiana and in the woods in Pennsylvania and places like that. And the impact, can you imagine, like, it was bad enough, I guess, I imagine, you know, when you're talking about the smokestack, the incinerator in downtown Nashville, can you imagine if right there where Ascend was, we we're like, oh, we're going to put our plastics manufacturing plant here where everybody sees and smells it. Uh, there would be such an uproar, yet we're all okay with it in all these out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, that's right. No, so. that's right. It's um, and yeah, right. So and but it's uh, it's um, out of sight for lots of us, but unfortunately, it's right in a lot of people's faces, and yeah. that's you know, it's hard. And um, this is way off topic, but I would just invite you to look at um, you talked about the woods of Pennsylvania, and I mean there is there is a deep, deep connection between plastics and fracking. And um, if you, you know fracking, yes, you know that term, Maris? I've heard of fracking, so, yeah. Yeah, basically it's, it's you know, we, we it's basically a way to, um, uh, you ultimately, in a way, you, you go down deep and you put high-pressure fluids in to, to crack the crack open that rock to, so you can get more natural gas and oil out of it. So you, it's called fracturing. So fracking, mm-hmm. um, which has caused all sorts of problems in communities where this happens. Cause of course, then you have groundwater pollution and you have other problems. Um, but that whole industry is, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, the U S is more energy dependent, independent is because we have led the world in fracking and, um, uh, and, you know, so from a climate perspective, Oh yeah, natural gas is better than coal. But natural gas—if we actually create the infrastructure for natural gas—and we're just going to be another thirty years paying off that infrastructure. So, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, uh, but the point is, for this conversation, is that uh, one of the byproducts of fracking it, it is a feedstock for the plastics industry. And so now they're seeing this opportunity to, you know, this again another link between. Uh, between you know the carbon the carbon economy and the plastics economy and um, and yeah I mean where you know they're they're talking about building a huge plant in West Virginia and then sending all that stuff down to basically Houston and, and New Orleans into those big facilities down there so it's this is this is part of the system this is part of the structure that people need to understand. And, um, you know, I just think that it helps us make better decisions about what our, what we want our future to look like. Um, uh, and I'm for one, not in favor of that future. 
<laughs> so <laughs> absolutely. So uh, one of the things back back to the zero waste. One of the things that comes up, and Maris and I talk have talked about this <laughs> numerous times, and uh, it feels like every time we ask a question of anybody you know that's involved or anybody that's paying attention it's like oh yeah well that's in the zero waste plan yeah we're gonna have this and that and that and like you've given us the steps to get started but one of the one of the fears i have is this 30-year plan becomes this push down the line It, it it there's a tendency to not deal with things right now and and i'm cynical and i i feel like it's like oh yeah there's this magic pixie dust that's gonna cause all this stuff to happen and it's good stuff in the future and we don't have to deal with it now because it's going to happen in the future. Right. And uh, that that's just one of the things. Maris, you, you feel the same way, correct? Yeah. And I think um, just to build off of that, I had a conversation with Jeff Berry of Tennessee Environmental Council the other day and I was discussing with him about just how to create the most impact. I feel like there's multiple ideas and people think on one side, it's political. It's you have to vote these things in. We're never going to get anywhere on you know on the local and state level if it's not federally governed. That we have to make everyone work together. And then you have Tennessee Environmental Council that's you know trying to do things like planting trees, and they're out there physically putting their hands in the dirt and cleaning up rivers and doing things like that and taking a lot of the responsibility on the consumer side. And it's it's just interesting to me because it's I don't think there's any right or wrong answer there but with relating to what Michael said it's like where how do we make sure that we're not just being fed ideas and things are just continuing on and on where do we put our action where do we get our hands dirty and how does how do we make sure that it actually happens so my feel good answer is there's a it, go where your passion is I mean, and, and I, and I say feel good, but I do think that's true. It's like, you want to go out and dig tree, put trees in, go for it. Yeah. But, and we know that we, we, it, we need really strong advocates. We need an advocacy community, um, that, uh, you know, that, it, that is broader than really the small group it is right now. Yeah. We need, we need more folks, um, and to actually have some kind of, or, you know, to be organized, whether that's you know Sierra Club or NRDC or or your local neighborhood group, I don't care. Right. It's just that we need. I mean, to be really frank with you, we have two people show up at every meeting. They've shown up forever, um, and uh, they have um, both well-intentioned, you know, thoughtful people in many ways. Yet they're not, you know, it's not there is there isn't an advocacy community around this in in this in this city. Um, and they're for different pieces, yes, but not overall. I, and I'd say really the most successful one has been the work with the Urban Green Lab and NRDC around, around the food work as at least elevating that um, piece of it. You know, we need folks who want to go do community gardens and who want to create regional compost and backyard compost systems and get their hands dirty that way. We all have our own passions. We need the folks, too, who love, you know, putting together advocacy campaigns and thinking about, you know, and, you know, doing all that kind of, in a way, uncomfortable work. Right? I think that's that, kind of where uh, Michael and I fall because we want, we want, yeah. <laughs> we want to get into the uncomfortable situation. Right. That's like, right. you know, this is the stuff yeah. that we're only talking about, but not necessarily seeing any change. And that's what right. worries us is 
we can talk about it all day long and it's a beautiful thing on paper and in my email but you know how how do we make sure that this isn't just something that's right well the the i think you know being advocates is which is what we're doing right now all three of us uh being an advocate for this but if there's if there's an issue that that the zero waste uh, Nashville Facebook group can get behind and any and every zero waste group in all cities should get behind right. it should be the zero waste plans for the cities so uh, I'm going to challenge all of our listeners and all of our members to start educating yourself about this asking us asking your council person let's get let's let's be advocates for the zero waste plan it's not just about our own personal ethics which is great we all need our our environmental ethics and our morals and uh, to do what we can, but we also need to get out of our comfort zones and start making some of this happen and making people uncomfortable, making the council people that would like to <laughs> push this 29 years down the line so they don't have to deal with it, or even four years down the line, making them aware that this is important to us. So nice. I'm going to challenge all said. our listeners to do that. Yeah. Very good. Well, my Thank goodness, you. we had such a great conversation, John. Wow. And I love listening to you speak about all this stuff. It was really, really encouraging, actually, for me. Well, well thank you, Marison. Um, I, it's, it's, it's not often that, that people want to actually talk about this, so it's, it's fun. And, um, it and is. I would encourage you, encourage you and, and, and your listeners to really um, you know, find out what's happening out there. As I said, you know, the Urban Green Lab, and there's plenty of folks doing good stuff. And Absolutely. NRDC is doing good stuff. So just, just look in Sierra Club. I mean, there's folks who are thinking about this. And because um, I do think that um, advocacy is more effective when, you, when, you're, when you're organized around it, when it's not just individual voices, but when it's collective voices. Right. Um, you know how that works. We sure do. So, and I do think, uh, John, if you don't mind, uh, unfortunately, I have your phone number now, and occasionally I'm going <laughs> to call you for information. Bug <laughs> me. That's fine. He's on the, he's <laughs> on the internet. You can find his information on the internet. That's true. We got uh, you. Actually, uh, I, actually, I had to tr kind of track you down a little bit, uh, but I'm good at that. So He is. Uh, uh, there's a lot of other stuff we could talk about and uh, about this. And, and one thing we, I just want to know that, that hang, you can hang your head on this sometime too, and maybe you've talked about it, but you know, doing, doing the right thing with solid waste, you, we can, we can, we can mitigate a lot of carbon emissions too. And so that's just a whole nother angle that maybe your, your members know about your listeners and you know about, but it's another piece. So um, another day we can talk about that. Yeah. Too. Maybe we'll get you back on here. Great talking to you. John, yes. and it sure was a pleasure, and we will continue our journey. Well, thank you both. I'm sorry it was, I was late. We were on when we needed to be on, and it was wonderful. Right. <laughs> yeah, thank have, you for your time. Have a great day, John. Thank you. 